0: All right, the day is finally here. My first message was. <laughs> Thank you for all the prayers and the support. Um, I was going through this week rehearsing, and you know I was talking with Janice. I was like, oh, I'm so nervous about this thing, and she told me, "Ah, you got it. No problem. You got it." And I said, you know, I, I know everybody here for a really long time, and I'm still nervous. But I just told her, you know, I just really feel like I want to do a good job. I want to do something that's honorable to God. So that's where all the pressure is coming from. I just want to do a good job. I want to do good for God. So here I am today, putting the bow tie on the present that we started a few weeks ago. So... If you weren't here earlier, from the beginning of the year, we started our message on the faith acrostic. And the faith acrostic is is something that we would like to see in all the disciples and Christ-like followers here in this church. The kind of qualities that we would like to see in each other. And Jesus would like to see it in us also. So just for a quick review, the faith acrostic, um, we started off with F, and Daniel gave the message on faithful. And we had available initiative and stan gave his message on heart last week and here i am today doing teachable so just a little um, i'm sorry i'm gonna sidetrack a little bit give you a little bit of history about this faith messages that we had so last year we were talking about this faith messages and stan was like you know what it would be good if we give a message to other congregation and each week we'll cover a letter and I was sitting there in the meeting, and I said, yeah, that's a great idea, a great idea. And Stan said, so which letter do you want, Joel? I was like, what? <laughs> Me? Are you sure? And, you know, I thought about it, and I said, yeah, sure. I'll do available. And, you know, God has a funny, funny, funny sense of humor. <clears throat> As most of you know, I'm a lineman for Hawaiian Electric. And, uh, you know, I have, you know, full... 40 hours of work all the time. So I asked Daniel and Stan, hey, you know, how? give me some tips. How how do I prepare for this message? And he said, well, it's going to take about 15 to 20 hours of your time. I was like, 15 to 20 hours for Stan and Dan? I was like, for me, it's going to take me 40 hours. So I looked at the calendar, and I saw available. Okay, that's going to be the second week in January. So I worked my calendar back, and I said, I got to start this message at Christmas time. And... You know, that week of Christmas, if you guys remember, storms, wind, rain, and I was working long hours, and I just was physically drained. So I gave Stan a call, and I told him, you know, Stan, I'm not available to do available. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, you know what, Joe, Stan is always gracious. And he said, sure, no problem. Um, which one you want to do? And I said, I'll do teachable. So here I am today. And anyways, before I go off track again, let's open our word. Let's open our time in prayer. Father, we just thank you. And I'm just so humbled by the outpouring, the support, and the prayers that everybody has been giving me today. Lord, just use me. Use me as your instrument. Speak through me. I pray that your word will permeate this place and your Holy Spirit will stir people, people's hearts and that they... We'll be able to become the teachable disciple that you desire us to be. I ask all of these things in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so when I was was in middle school and high school, we used to go to my grandpa's house during the summertime, usually about two to three weeks out of the summer. And my grandpa, he had a really, really nice house. He lived up in Halava Heights. He had a nice older house, big lawn, and a nice patio right next to the lawn. And it overlooked all of Pearl Harbor. Really nice house. And on the way up to his house, up on Halava Heights Drive, you could, I remember where his house was exactly, because behind his house, there was a big cross over there. You guys remember Camp Smith? There's a big cross up there, but now it's a flag. So that's how I remember when my grandpa's house was all the time. So anyway, we would go during the summer, and we would help him do all kinds of stuff: light like carpentry, sometimes we would clean his koi pond, um, weeding, planting new grass, or sometimes we'd build small, small stuff for him. But anyway, one summer he asked us if we could help him with painting, and I'm thinking to myself, "Ah, right on, it should be easy. It'd be done in one week. I've been painting since I was in preschool, right? you know? with my fingers, and then later on, I graduated to my brush. I like, ah, it should be really easy. So anyway, the first day, we show up, and he asked us, hey, guys, do you guys know how to paint? And i yeah, we do. And he told us, get started. Okay, so I walked straight to the paint, the brushes and the rollers, and he says, oh, oh, I'll stop. I thought you guys just said you know how to paint. And I said, Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, we didn't even start, and we're getting scoldings already. Jeez. And my grandpa said, go over to the other side, grab the Clorox, grab your holes, and grab your scrubbers, because you got to clean the whole house. All the dirt, all the mold, you got to get it off. And you know all the areas that the paint is coming off? you got to scrape the paint off, and then you got to sand it. And when I heard that, I was like, my one-week job turned into a three-week job, and I was pretty, you know, sour the whole time. And, um, you know, we started our work, and he would come in and check on us, check on us every so often, give us scoldings every so often. And then at one time, he came to give me scoldings, and he already knew, just by my body language, he wasn't too happy. And then he told me, He told me this. He told me, Joel, get over here. The reason why I'm making you do this again is because you're not listening. You're not paying attention, and you think you know already. You know what your problem is? You hothead. No be hothead. You know why? Because eventually, when you need help, nobody going to help you. No be hothead. And he walked away. And that was quiet the rest of the day. And I went back to my work, and good thing is tedious work. You're just scraping and stuff. And I got to, I was thinking about what he said, and I realized it was my attitude that, you know, determined the work. I was thinking I was getting scoldings because my attitude was bad, but I was actually being taught. He was actually teaching me these things, tips about painting and tips about life. One quick thing that I remember is, did you guys know when um, you paint on top bare metal, you have to brush it with vinegar? Vinegar etches the metal, so it allows the paint to stick. So those are one of the things that I remember, but I was just so thankful that I had a grandpa that was able to speak truth to me out of love, and, you know, he spoke to me, and those are the lessons, that, and I was able to receive those lessons from him. So that brings us to what a a disciple that is teachable is, okay? So I think a lot of us had a similar experience with their grandpa or their mentor. And if you didn't, maybe these statements sound familiar. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Or I've done it like this forever. Or if it's not broke... Don't fix it. Or how's this one? People will just have to accept me the way that I am. Too bad. You know, for the rest of our time today, we're going to challenge some of those statements and learn what it means to be a teachable disciple. So the first thing a lot of us do when we get into the Word, we try to define things. So what is Teach. Able mean broken down. So teach, to show, point, out, and declare, demonstrate. Also to give instruction. Train, assign, direct, or warn, or persuade. Able. Having sufficient power or means. Are you capable, fitting, or suitable? And you comply in both words: teachable capable of being taught. That's the simple way, the easy way. A lot of times when we try to figure out something, we go to the dictionary and try to define it. So that's the first step. Then you got to dig a little bit deeper. So today's Bible verse is from Proverbs 9, verses 8 through 9. And it's in your handout. I don't think I put it on the slides. I might have forgot. But anyway, you can follow along. It's right there. um, Do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. Instruct a wise man, and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he will add to his learning. So let's unpack this a little bit. I think the, fir- the last sentence is pretty straightforward. Instruct a wise man, and he'll be wiser still. You know, a wise man will accept criticism and instruction, and he'll become wiser for it, as well as the righteous person will too. But the uh, first sentence, I had a little trouble kind of unpacking it. It says, do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. First, I had to kind of look back and just confirm what, I, what my understanding of rebuke means. And if you don't know what it is already, it's to criticize, to criticize somebody. That's what it means to rebuke. And mocker is someone who treats somebody else with ridicule or contempt, and somebody that, you know, is deriding. So, when you look at this first, I'm thinking, do not rebuke a mocker. I think, shouldn't we be actually rebuking the mocker, right? Shouldn't we be telling them out of truth and love that you shouldn't be doing this kind of stuff, right? You shouldn't be doing, being um, condescending upon people. But I I remember when I was, you know, listening to a podcast, this one person out this new said the Bible is prescriptive and it's also descriptive. And in this fashion, it's descriptive. It's not telling you do not rebuke a mocker because we should. We should tell them and let them know that they're not, what they're doing is not loving. What it is doing is describing. It's describing the big difference, the huge difference in how criticism is received by people. Some people are going to take it, you know. As a wise man does, and other people on the other end of the spectrum are going to take it negatively. So, one of the keys to success in your job, your career, your relationships, just in life in general, and as Christ like followers, is how teachable you are. There are lots and lots of examples of people in the Bible that have been stubborn, as my grandpa would say, hard headed. But those people are, offer great examples of what not to do. If you're teachable, you're willing to be taught new things. You're willing to receive instruction from people that have more experience and more knowledge from you. But being teachable also is not, is not only having the willingness to learn what we want to learn. That's the easy part of being teachable, yeah? Learning what we want to learn you guys heard of the surf park that's going to be opening up in Kapolei in about three years? No? Okay, only me, I guess. All right. All right. All right, Kirk, right on. I can be teachable over there all day. I can go over there 24 hours to be teachable at that surf park because that's what I want to learn, right? I want to surf. So that's the easy part. But being teachable also means learning what we need to learn even though we're not too excited about it. It's unpleasant and unnecessary. And it is a condition of our heart that has a great deal of influence on our ability to be teachable. Psalms 25.4 shows, can we just read this together on three? One, two, three. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. Teach me, for you are my God. My Savior, my hope is in you all day long. So, it is this person's heart, the psalmist's heart. He says, teach me. Show me. My heart is open to you, God. Show me your ways. Teach me your paths and guide me. His heart is open to whatever God is calling him to do. And that is the condition of our heart. That's the way it should be. You know, I envision this this verse. I envision, you know, God is infinite. He is um, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving. And I envision a, a filter, I mean, a A funnel. God is all up here. He has all this to offer. And if we get down to funnel, it gets narrower and narrower. And that's our heart. Is our heart narrow? Or is it large? And that's what's going to determine a lot about our teachability. Okay? So how do we build a teachable spirit? I have three foundations of a teachable spirit that I like to discuss. First one is Humility. Second, being teachability. And the third is seekability. I wanted to concentrate on humility first because the biggest obstacle towards humility is pride. Our pride is a huge obstacle for us. And I'm not talking about the kind of pride that you have in your school, the pride that you have at your your state, or the pride in our country you know, pride in our church. What is a different kind of pride? It's the negative kind of pride, the pride of arrogance, the kind of pride that says, hey, look at me, look at my social media posts, how much likes I got, how much comments I got. That's the kind of pride. But also, there's another, another pride that is really, really sneaky. And I think that's the hardest one to deal with. Personally, for me, it's, the hardest one to deal with. And it's the pride of being self-sufficient. This pride is the pride that says, I'm I'm doing fine on my own. Leave me alone. Hey, guys, I I don't need your help. I got it. Our society kind of praises this, the self-made success story who came from rags to riches. Unfortunately, many of us are guilty of high, having this prideful attitude, which celebrates independence. Because you end up pushing God out of the picture. You end up telling God that I got this on my own. Have you guys ever heard the statement that religion is the crutch for the weak? Have you guys heard that? Religion is the crutch for the weak. You guys find that offensive? It is, right? Because it's telling us that we're too weak to do things on our own. And I felt the same way too. But then I took a step back and I said, what if we approach this statement from the position of humility and say, yes, I am weak. And you know what? I can't do life on my own. I need Stan, I need Daniel to be my mentor. I need Elaine to help me in teach class and run Christian ed. We need John to do worship. I need Jan so I can talk to her. She can love me, help me raise my kids. I am weak. And I need my mother-in-law to help cook breakfast on Sundays or I'm going to (laughs) starve. But most importantly, I am weak. So weak that I need a perfect Savior. And I need a God. And it doesn't matter if I'm weak because God is strong. Amen? Proverbs. 1618 reminds us, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. And Proverbs eighteen twelve states, before his downfall, man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Pride is what caused the demise of Lucifer. You know, Ezekiel told us that Lucifer was full of wisdom, perfect in beauty, but his pride... And his desire to not only be free from God, but to be God himself, led to his downfall. Another example is Uzziah. He was the king of Judah, and he was king at 16 years old. And he, and he was in power for 52 years, long years. And as long as he sought guidance from God, and he was obedient to God, the nation was successful. In fact, he was one of the most successful kings he had He was known as a military military genius. He was like an architect. He built all kinds of infrastructure for the kingdom. And wherever he went, people would hear about it. They would hear his stories. But his wealth and power led him astray to defy God. He ended up going into the temple and offering incense. And if you guys aren't familiar with it, only the priest could offer incense in the temple. Um, <clears throat> but he didn't listen. He was hard-headed, you know? He began raging. And, he be- and when they scolded him, he continued to rage even more. And leprosy actually broke out on his forehead. And he had leprosy until the day he died. He was buried in a field, not in anywhere special, next to the other kings. And he was last remembered by his people as a leper. Pride brings you down because it keeps you short sighted. As humans, we are all limited. Relying on ourselves can only take us so far. And on top of that, when we're being too prideful, we won't be seeking God and we won't be doing his will being disobedient. Rather, it is the humble who are honored before God. So that's step one, humility. That's great. But step two, teachability. So teachability, I wanted to focus on this verse in Philippians 4 9. And it goes, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Okay. So this message is from Paul writing to the Philippians. And I want to concentrate on those words that are in bold. He's telling them, the God of peace will be with you. But you got to put these things into practice. Learned, received, Heard and seen. Those are the four keys to teachability. I'm going to start with learn. Can you learn from good situations and bad situations? What about from successes and failures? John Maxwell, in his book, Failing Forward, says in life, the question is if not if you will have problems, but how are you going to deal with your problems? Are you, going, are you going to fail forward or, fa- or backwards? Meaning, if you fail, are you going to get something out of that situation, that negative situation, and use it to go forward? Or will you just <coughs> fail and receive nothing from that situation? Negative experiences, challenging people, and conflict can be a really good tool for learning, depending on our attitude and how we approach them. So take a look at these two lists and determine how you approach failure. And it should be in your handout. Failing forward, I mean, failing backward versus failing forward. Do we blame others or do we take responsibility? You can't fail forward if you're blaming others because you're putting the failure on somebody else? Do you repeat the same mistakes? Or do you learn from each mistake? There's that saying is insanity is the doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting different results. Are you learning from each mistake? Expecting never to fail again or knowing failure is part of the progress. Expecting to continually fail or maintaining a positive attitude. Accepting tradition blindly or challenging outdated assumptions. Or being limited by past mistakes, taking new risks, and thinking I'm a failure or believing something didn't work. Quitting versus persevering. If we can fail forward, we can be used by God. I have another quote from this book titled The Making of a Leader by Robert Clinton. And this book was given to me by Pastor Stan. He gives us homework, you know, as elders, he makes us read books and stuff. So we do have homework. <laughs> but I'll be honest, I'm kind of behind on this book because of, you know, putting together this message. But anyway, it's, it states, <clears throat> God uses conflict for his purposes in a leader's ministry, as well as his personal life. It is bad enough to go through conflict. It is worse to go through conflict and not profit from it. Okay, next is receive. How do we receive constructive criticism? I know all of us have been criticized before, and we've all been corrected by others, but how do we receive it? I'm, I'm sure there's, um, even at times, we feel like we have to give out constructive, constructive criticism. Have you guys ever heard the saying, constructive criticism is when I criticize you? <laughs> Destructive criticism is when you criticize me. <laughs> so when you're criticized, how well do you receive it? Well, I have one example you guys heard of this um, musician, singer, Matt Redman? Yeah, a really popular guy. In fact, we sang one of his songs today. Anyways, back in the 90s, he was just getting started, and he had everything they needed. They had all the tech crew. They had all the musicians, bands, everything, but somehow their pastor felt that there was a little bit of apathy going on with the worship service. And at one point, he told Matt Redman, hey, you know what? We're going to change this whole thing up. I'm going to ask you to not play any instrument and not use any tech. You're just going to show up here and everyone's going to sing a cappella. So it could have gone one or two ways. He could have said, that's it. I'm out of here. I don't want to hear it. I have all this crew. They're all depending on me. So I'm out of here. Or he could have took... The other approach, which was was to receive it well. And he did the latter. He ended up listening to his pastor, taking the criticism, and say, you know what? I may not like it, but we're going to try it anyway, and we'll see what happens. So they took away all the instruments and all that stuff for about a a season. And it was kind of awkward at first. But what happened was, during this time, he wrote that song. I don't know if you heard it, but it's called The Heart of Worship. And it talks about, in that song, it talks about how it doesn't matter. Instruments, tech team, what do what you guys bring to me? What really matters is what is your heart toward Jesus? All this instrument doesn't matter. And that song ended up kind of springboarding his whole career and all the songs that he went on to write. So he received criticism well. But the question remains is, how do we know? How do we determine? Is there any truth to that criticism? Is it real? Is it just being, Is it just because a person has a criti- critical heart? So here are some questions that I want to pose to you guys to help that situation. And it should be here. Is it here? Yes, it's on the back page if you guys flip it over. How is criticism given? Was it spoken out of retaliation, in a judgmental spirit, or out of love? Ephesians Ephesians 4.15 states, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Another question to clarify how it was given is, when was it given? Was it in public or was it in private? If it was in private, it's most likely given to you in love. Why is it given? Was the message, was the criticism given to hurt you? Or was it given to benefit you? Does this person criticize me regular or is it regularly or is it uncommon? If the guy is always criticizing me, it's kind of hard to determine if that was given to me, <clears throat> you know, just because he's critical if that person is less likely to criticize you, you kind of know that he, this person is out of character, so it's probably you know, something that we should listen to. Is the person usually accurate in the correction? Has this person given you feedback in the past and it has actually turned out to be true? And another one are other people saying it too. Once you hear a lot of people saying the kind of same things about you or about what you're doing, and you kind of feel that you should take that criticism with a little bit more grain of salt. Was the person specific or just general criticizing? Perhaps you need to ask them to be more specific and to get to the real reason. Lastly, one of the more dangerous effects, if we do not receive correction well, is that it will eventually affect others. Proverbs ten seventeen. People who accept correction are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore it will lead others astray. If we consistently ignore correction, we will continue making poor choices and it will eventually affect others. Okay, hey, heading over to our next topic. Heard or listen. Let the wise, Proverbs 1:5 says, Let the wise listen. And add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. I have this quote from Larry King, if you guys remember him. I remind myself every morning, nothing I say this day will teach me anything. So if I'm going to learn, I must do it by listening. I'm sure you guys heard about Larry King before. What about this guy? This guy's name is Arsenio Dudela. He says, you have two ears and one mouth, so you should listen twice as much as you talk. (laughs) You guys could probably fill in the blank with that name too because it's probably shared throughout the generations. One story from the Bible that I want to kind of focus on is Martha and Mary and Jesus. Jesus went to Martha's house, and Martha was scrambling all over the place trying to cook food, get the place clean and everything, And Mary just sits there and listens. And Martha is so upset. Look at that. Lazy person. I'm tired. This is the, you know, Jesus. We got to get this place ready and order. And, you know, (coughs) Mary's just there listening and just loving on Jesus. And Jesus says, that Mary has chosen the better way. She just sat there and listened and just, you know, loved on me. And this, just like us today, you know, we're all like Marthas a lot of the time. You know, the truth is you need to be more like Mary. You need to just sit down and listen. Sit down, open the Bible, listen to the word. <clears throat> you know, <sighs> listening is one of the keys to teachability and um, so when was the last time we really listened, you know, in relationships and even to God? I mean, a lot of times I go to restaurants and I see families, they order their food, no, they sit down, they bring out their phones, and they're swiping. Order their food, go back to swiping. Are they really listening to each other? Are they having a conversation with each other? We need to get back to listening. So in our house, we try to make a It's hard, but we make a rule, all technology off the dinner table so we can talk and listen to each other. Okay, moving on to scene. This part of the verse, Paul tells the people at the church of Philippi to apply what they also saw him do. To be teachable, you need to be observant. Watch the people who you're learning from. Who was Paul when everyone was looking? More importantly, who was Paul when he thought no one else was looking? You know, one definition of integrity is having your insides match your outsides. Paul was really confident in who he was. He told him, look at me. Learn from me. Look at me and watch me. Okay? Follow what I do. Follow what you saw me do. People who are teachable recognize the importance of living with integrity, and they also seek people with the same qualities. In 2 Timothy 3, 14-15, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Scriptures. Be aware of who you're learning from. If you're learning from the wrong people, it can be disastrous. Those who are teachable, make sure they're learning from people that are Christ-like and Scripture-centered people. Okay, the last key to having a teachable spirit is seekability. Is this even a word? (laughs) I just made it up. But that's okay. Today we're being teachable, so we're going to learn a new word. <laughs> seekability. Are we willing to seek advice? Are we, you know, there, a lot of people are willing to seek advice, but are we actively seeking advice and feedback? Unteachable people, people fail to seek counsel. They feel like they don't need it. Whereas people with seekability realize that they don't have all the answers and they can seek advice, they need to seek advice from others and particularly from God. Proverbs 12.15 The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. And Proverbs 15.12, 15.22 Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So one example of this is Rehoboam. He was the son of Solomon. And when Solomon's um, reign came to an end, Rehoboam took over. And immediately, he was faced with a crisis. The people were complaining that their taxes were too heavy and they were asked to do too much work. And Rehoboam, he was pretty good. In the beginning, he said, you know what? Give me three days. I'll think about it and I'll get back to you guys. So he did that. In the beginning, he sought counsel from more wiser guys, older guys, guys who have been around for a while. And they told him, okay, I think you should lower the taxes. It's too high. The people are crying about it. And he thought about it, and he decided, no, I don't, I don't think so. So he goes ahead and asks his friends, his buddies, and the buddies tell him, you got to Increase the taxes. In fact, you got to make it higher. You got to put your foot down or these people are going to run all over you. And Rehoboam ended up listening to his buddies, raised his taxes, and the kingdom was divided ever since then. Tribes never came back together all because of Rehoboam's failure to heed the advice of older, wiser, experienced advisors. You know, I'm sure Solomon was... Alive when this happened, you know what he would have said? No be (laughs) hothead. People with seekability are willing to seek God's counsel and the counsel of the wise, godly people he has placed in our lives. How often do you seek the counsel from God, his word, or his wise people before making decisions? If you continually choose to steer on your own, you're choosing the path of pride. A good leader... Oh, another quote from Maxwell, John Maxwell. is A good leader encourages followers to tell him what he needs to know. Tell him what he needs to know, not what he wants to hear. So, how teachable am I? I'd like to challenge you guys to ask yourself these following questions. And it's in your handout as well. This is from um, Marty Williams who's a pastor of Family Ministries, who says, ask yourself these 12 questions to help us discover if we are teachable. One, am I willing to to listen more than talk? Two, I admit when I am mistaken. I observe before acting on a situation. I am able to disagree. I mean, I am able to agree to disagree I desire information more than answers. I enjoy asking questions. I am open to suggestions and new ideas. I feel comfortable asking for advice or directions. I am patient and a willing student. I enjoy reading information that is practical and applicable. I seek out new perspectives on the questions of life. I can appreciate criticism without being deeply wounded. If you answered yes to most of those questions, good for you. But if you answered no to most of them, you know, don't be discouraged. Pray and ask God for help. In fact, God will honor your teachable spirit. And he smiles at every little effort that we make to be a teachable spirit. So I'd like to ask the band to come up before we close our time in prayer. Okay. I'd like you to. Imagine.